1: They say home is where the heart is. It's also where the microphones are. Live from their homes in undisclosed locations. Here are Rick and Dan on Faith Talk Atlanta. Hey, look out. It's Faith Talk Live. I'm Rick Probst. And I'm Dan Ratcliffe. You're watching Facebook Live or YouTube Live. On the screen there is Dr. Justin Barrett. He's got a brand new book with Pamela King. It's called Thriving with Stone Age Minds. Doc, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? We're good. Doing good. I, I As I mentioned before, we went uh, went live. I was watching an interview on YouTube that you had a, a few years back, and I find it fascinating. We want to talk about the book. We want to talk about human flourishing. Uh, a couple of quotes that that uh, was made on that particular interview, which uh, has me thinking uh, this little brain here thinking our minds may have a predisposition to religious thought. I thought that was awesome. And a sense of the of the divine baked into our minds. So kind of explain that a little bit and let's segue into this book. Yeah. So
0: uh, cognitive science of religion, uh, one of the findings from this kind of area that I've been working in for about 25 years, it seems that by virtue of just being human beings, growing up in ordinary human environments, we have. Uh, ways of thinking, interacting with the world that make us really receptive to certain kinds of ideas we might call religious. So we've got early developing dispositions to see purpose and design in the natural world around us. Uh, We're inclined to attribute that purpose and design to a someone, not just sort of dumb luck or random chance. When bad things happen to us, we or good things happen to us, we have a propensity to try to figure out what's that about? Is there meaning behind all of this? Can I make sense of this in terms of, say, moral reasoning or my behaviors, other people's behaviors, uh, the behavior of supernatural agents? Uh, So I like to think of it a little bit like we've got conceptual spaces that are just part of our natural mental sort of uh, constitution that uh, certain concepts fit into really nicely and some of those are god concepts um and we just have this sort of natural receptivity now it's easy to go too far and say oh, okay we are born with a full-fledged kind of belief in you know the god of abraham isaac and Jason, jacob right. and i'm not saying that what yeah. i'm saying is we seem to have the right hooks for that concept to sort of fit in and go oh yeah that kind of makes sense to us um that's what that's the the science i think is kind of pointing to well, let's talk about the book "Thriving with Stone Age Minds." It's a, a interesting title. Uh, are, are you saying that we have Stone Age minds, or or what? What, what are we talking about here? And talk about uh, the evolutionary psychology, that emerging field. What that what that's all about? Yeah, evolutionary co- psychology uh, really it, it does build on the assumption that humans are evolved, and uh, I like to think so. What if God did use evolution to bring about animals like us? what would that then imply for how we sort of make sense of us, if that's the way God chose to do things? And, um, uh, and so it, it changes the way you look at humans, is that we're not just a product of our particular culture, our particular sort of personal history, but in some ways that our nature has been shaped by our ancestors' conditions as well. So uh, certain kinds of ways of thinking, Mental traits, you might think, the way our brain is structured, we're importantly shaped by recurrent kinds of demands of our species history. That would be the sort of general philosophy. And if you sort of accept that for the sake of argument, then there's something that holds us all together as human beings on this planet that, you know, our deep history holds us all together. We're all humans. We all have something more like a human nature then you might get from other kinds of approaches like approaches that just say, oh, we're nothing but our culture or we're nothing but our personal histories. So that's one of the ways in which I'm slightly attracted to the idea of some evolution, some of the assumptions of evolutionary approaches. And I think they have a certain kind of resonance with a Christian worldview as well, where we say, no, there is something that we all share as human beings created in the image of God. And if God chose to use an evolutionary process to create us in his image, then we should see sort of common markers, uh, regardless of our cultural background. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with, uh, evolutionary psychology. I know it scares people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it that's scared me for word. the longest time. It scares me sometimes still. Uh, yeah. and it has scared me most of my career, mostly because, uh, there's been also some excesses in the area, like really stressing, Oh, it's all about sex. Well, it's not all about sex. Uh, There is a lot of sex in evolutionary psychology. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's not all about that. It's not all about selfishness. It's, you know, we sometimes hear uh, that a fundamental assumption is that humans are selfish uh, and that every organism is selfish. Well, that's kind of a a grade school kind of view of evolutionary theory as well. Uh, Really, you know, if cooperation is the best way to survive and thrive, then we're a cooperative species. And it turns out that's what humans are. Okay, I can yammer on. So just stop me and throw in good questions to steer me. That's important.
1: Um, Uh, Dr. Justin Barrett, uh, we're talking about his book. It's called Thriving with Stone Age Minds. Now, you uh, had help here. I'm assuming she's your co-author, Pamela King. Uh, You said it took five years. Was this something that she did separately and you kind you guys kind of collided and decided to put this together? Or how did this all come about?
0: Uh, It came about uh, from uh, uh, Pam King and I were working together in uh, the Thrive Center for Human Development at Fuller Theological Seminary. And uh, she's kind of an expert on, uh, on especially adolescent thriving. And I was bringing the expertise from Cognitive and Evolutionary Psychology. And we saw a call by the BioLogos Foundation for... Uh, little grants uh, to support research on uh, evolution and Christian faith. And I thought, well, this could be a fun kind of topic to bring these two worlds together. Um, her expertise on thriving and my expertise on cognitive and evolutionary um, psychology. And uh, so we convened, a, we wrote the grant, we got it. We convened a group of colleagues. We bounced ideas off of them for a while. Uh, I did the first kind of draft of most of the material. And then she told me what I got wrong. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of kind of how it went. Um, she's also uh, a, an ordained Presbyterian minister, and so she was able to bring some of her um, uh, ministry expertise and and you know some of her depth of theological knowledge as well, especially in those latter chapters of the book. So I think it worked out as kind of fun collaboration. But yeah, it was one of those books where the first draft. You know the well, the first sort of final draft. We got some pretty good feedback from uh, InterVarsity Press editorial, you know, board and readers, and it made me go away and sit on it for a while. And uh, other professional things happened, but I'm glad I did because this is a dynamic area, evolutionary psychology. It's changing, and the book that I first wrote would have been out of date by the time it hit the you know, hit press. And so now I think it's maybe has a a chance to be in date for at least two, two years, (laughs) hopefully a little longer than that.
1: Now it's been out, it's been out since the 13th, uh, and it's a short time, but what response have you, you found so far? And maybe even those that you basically communicated to before you released the book, your idea or your ideas.
0: Well, so far, we're getting really good feedback, I think. Uh, Lots of people excited about some of the particulars in there um, in terms of a more constructive approach to evolutionary psychology. It's common for uh, especially those of us who are evangelicals to just say, look, evolutionary psychology, we don't want anything to do with that nonsense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tried to take a more constructive approach to it in there and say, "Okay, what if let's. Put some of our concerns aside for a moment and say, "Well, what could we glean from it even if we don't want to adopt this whole worldview uh, that seems to be resonating with folks, but something funny happened too uh, from the writing of it to the then the publication, and that's covid mm-hmm. and it it happened to make some of the ideas that we put in there a little more real a little more salient for people because one of the big themes in the book is humans our characteristic way of solving problems in our environment is to change it. And that then changes pressures on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we're constant. We have a nature that fits into a a certain kind of environment, but we keep changing that environment in ways that then puts more pressure on our, our psychology, our, our nature. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's this gap that we're constantly creating. Mm -hmm. And so before the book, I, I, I would, say things about before it was published, I'd say things about how I really just don't like cities. Um, big cities really are bad for us. They they don't fit with our sort of our natural psychology. Our psychology is from, you might think, Stone Age past or at least a smaller scales kind of past. It's not meant for urban living. So big lights, big sounds, crowded things actually stress us. Uh, uh, psychologically stresses, physically stresses. Uh cities are where, where people go to die. I mean, cities are <laughs> they're, they're violent, <laughs> stressful places where 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 people don't sleep, light and sound pollution actually causes anxiety, lots of anxiety disorders and so forth. And it's probably caused by urban living because if we don't fit in urban environments, hmm. interesting. And right. then COVID happens, everybody gets locked down in these urban environments. <laughs> And they start going, oh, wait, yeah, this is bad. This is really bad. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so I actually had a a, uh, a colleague uh, who I had interviewed before COVID come back and say, uh, you know, that stuff you said about cities. Mm, I see where you're coming from now. Hmm. Um, and and lo and behold, lots of people are fleeing big cities and moving to places like, well, I moved from L.A. to Tennessee in the middle of COVID. I uh, feel like the smart kid in the room. You <laughs> are. <here. laughs> you got out of California. Very good. But you other Californians don't come here. We don't want you here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in California. You'll love it. <laughs> Justin Barrett, uh, Dr. Justin Barrett, Thriving with Stone Age Minds is the name of the book. And uh, Justin, I don't know if you noticed, but I happen to notice there is a tomato and a cucumber staring at you from uh, behind a little thing back there. Um, so, just just something to keep an eye on. Anyway, you can find the book at ivypress.com slash thriving with Stone Age Minds. It's Dr. Justin Barrett. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks, Doc. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. I'm Rick Prost.
0: And I'm Dan Ratcliffe.
1: This is Faith on Walk.